Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I am honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for Episode 8 of Season 1 of This Osteopathic Life. We'll be moving in today to some new concepts on finding our commonality in difference. I'm recording this podcast after a week in Florida where I began my time at the American Academy of Osteopathy's convocation. And I was attending in social presence. I wasn't actually at the conference I didn't have any responsibilities for meetings. I was simply there to see my colleagues, to reconnect, to discuss our struggles and frustrations, to review our successes and opportunities, and to come together around the concept of this osteopathic life overtly. I talked to them about this podcast and the other ideas I have and have been formulating I found great feedback and resources and support and suggestions and also generally about what it's like for them living their version of this osteopathic life in practice, in teaching, in research, in writing, in seeking further professional development. And for the most part, it was inspiring to hear what they've been doing, what they hope to do, what life looks like, catching up on their families and professionally. I'm so grateful that I was there. There were certainly a lot of frustrations as well, feeling unsupported, like they're forging the path yet themselves, you know, even 100 plus years later into the practice of osteopathic medicine. A lot of times we feel like we're on our own and it's meaningful for this gathering time, you know, for professional support, personal support from colleagues who have walked the path as well. And I'm encouraged for the mission here and to serve as a support and cheerleader even for my colleagues as they venture into their various arenas. I did attend the final lecture of the conference with Dr. Brian Loveless. It was entitled, State of the Osteopathic Profession. Where are we now, and how do we expand into the future? And overall, I was encouraged to see many common sentiments and proposals that I've held myself and am establishing with this osteopathic life. But there was one portion of the lecture that really stuck with me, and there was an opportunity for a Q&A, for 
bit of a discussion afterward, and I half thought about standing up and then thought, well, I wasn't registered. And also, I'm never sure that's the right venue for such discussions. And oftentimes, also find that folks want to hear what they have to say rather than engage the expert um, for a response. And so I paused and reflected. Perhaps I'll discuss here and hopefully stimulate some conversation and garner feedback from my colleagues and anyone who might be listening on their thoughts. It was noted as we approached this merger of postgraduate training, meaning all residencies, all the programs medical students undertake after they've graduated from medical school, are going to come under the rule and the leadership of the ACGME, the allopathic or the MD world. And as this happens, there's this concern, this underlying sentiment that osteopathy will be lost or snuffed out. And I've shared my viewpoints on this before, and Dr. Loveless noted that we have essentially two choices. We can adapt and win, or we could stay quiet and lose. And in that, he expanded that adapting and winning means kind of assimilate to their system, but retaining our osteopathic identity and showing that it's the better way to practice medicine and expand our outreach, maintaining clarity that this is osteopathy. Or we could stay quiet and lose. And part of his reference here was that medicine with or without osteopathy is moving toward the osteopathic principles, perhaps not in name. You know, there's attention to the patient as the center of care, a more holistic model, you know, seeing unity of the patient, and it's likely this will be adapted in various iterations, but also quite likely that no credit will be given to osteopathic medicine. And so we have the option, we kind of just keep it hidden, keep it secret, keep it safe, that osteopathy in name would essentially be lost. And this is my interpretation of what he said. So I allow, you know, for the lens through which I see and the filter through which I've heard it, it should not be 100% accurate. But simply in looking at that slide in his lecture and considering the concept, I don't necessarily see that as a loss. And so I would think that if every physician in postgraduate training, so every resident physician as all these programs are merged, if they were exposed more directly to the osteopathic concept, be it through the integration with their DO graduate peers, through the more direct exposure in programs that perhaps maintain some osteopathic recognition or are led by DOs, you know, as there's, again, a much greater integration of the MD and DO teachers in these programs, if they had a sense of osteopathic medicine, the philosophies, the principles, seeing it in practice, seeing it lived in life, and adopted some of them. Whether or not they called it osteopathic medicine, if they were truly practicing more osteopathically, would that really be a loss? 
to me, that could be the greatest victory we ever could have imagined. You know, to have exposure within the context of all medicine as it's being practiced currently in the United States. And for folks to even just a little bit, you know, subconsciously be more aware of these principles and their opportunity to truly honor the health of the patient. And it elevated the quality of care being provided for patients in all arenas and all specialties at all levels. Wouldn't that be the best case scenario? And there's certainly threat of dilution. And Dr. Loveless spoke of this when looking at the sharp rise in numbers in medical schools and graduates from the colleges of osteopathic medicine. And are we keeping up with the quality of osteopathic principles and practice that we're teaching in these schools when the number of teachers hasn't gone up as markedly and when the number of postgraduate training programs hasn't matched this rise in the number of students? And the possibility is certainly there, and that is our responsibility as leaders in osteopathic medicine to practice what we preach, you know, to speak it clearly, to speak the truths of osteopathy and bring that to the masses. But at the same time, you know, finding that minimum effective dose could be part of this vantage point and giving everyone some idea, some awareness of osteopathy would certainly be better than none. You know, and there's always the threat of knowing just enough to be dangerous. And I'm not even necessarily suggesting that all of these physicians practice osteopathic manipulative treatment, although I think there's some possibility to train them up, especially the ones who are going to be more interested and intrigued by it and might seek the mentorship that this requires. But as far as upholding osteopathic principles and implementing them in practice... I think there's tremendous opportunity for this to expand the experience, the vantage point, the exposure for these training physicians and the patients who they will serve going forward. The other question that kept coming up for me, and I sat with it and ran it by some of my colleagues, and it's caused me to wonder more than once, in my time, in the past 15 plus years, you know, studying and practicing osteopathy has been this sense of identity and ownership. And I can recall at a past version of convocation when I was in a small group breakout session for some hands-on learning and the teacher rather aggressively shouted for us to check our egos at the door, you know, that the treatment wasn't about us and that would only interfere with the potential success in health for the patient, the person receiving treatment. I thought this was very important. I was shocked by the presentation of it in a rather aggressive fashion, but also curious as the person giving that warning seemed very much aligned with the ownership of the concept and uh, it seemed discordant to me 
I've thought this multiple times as I've listened to those teaching osteopathic principles and being at these conferences, which are relatively insular. You know, we're often preaching to the choir, as it were. And I wonder, as much as we are frustrated by not being known, by people not understanding what we do, by folks, you know, practicing whole person medicine and mind-body-spirit connection and not making the leap that this is osteopathy at its core, we must take responsibility for that. You know, there's no way for people to know or understand about us if we don't provide that accessibility, that clarity, the opportunity for understanding. And I truly wonder, and I think we must ask ourselves, especially as we approach this opportunity to assimilate and share with our allopathic colleagues and with our osteopathic colleagues who have perhaps adapted to more allopathic practice simply by nature of survival or availability, where is the ego involved? And do we not like that it is a small and isolated cohort that there's this elitist mindset that we're the only ones that can provide this care and you must seek us out and come to us for this sacred information. And it's a double-edged sword. You know, it makes it unique and you know, perhaps helps hold the potency a bit, but it also means that it's not sustainable. You know, if we're not known, if we're not widespread, if we're not in the conscious awareness, likely we will be snuffed out. And certainly someone might take up those principles and call them what they will. And that could still be a reasonable scenario if people are truly practicing to the health and for the health. But we need to think, would the best case scenario be possible if we weren't given the credit you know, if it weren't about us, if it were truly about the health. And I honestly don't know. I hope it's possible. I see some of my colleagues in their practice, you know, perhaps more altruistic means of moving forward. And from a devil's advocate perspective, I love the concept of small is beautiful. You know, there are reasons we are successful in villages in certain radius of living, you know, for sustainability. But at the same time, if a philosophy of medicine is going to go forward and we believe osteopathic medicine to be the superior way to practice, I think we have to be willing to let go of a bit of the control, ownership, credit, and ego to allow it to flourish, to allow it to be understood and accessible to the masses, both for personal Incorporation, you know, for the general public, for application by physicians in all practices and degrees, and truly allow it to be implemented in the way it was designed to challenge the status quo, to do better than the standard of care, and you know, to rise above and beyond. Now, in my outline, of topics for these podcasts. We went through the tenets and we wrapped that up last time, but they will certainly always be present, underscoring 
the discussion going forward. But the next in line was the concept of common indifference in three words. And I spend much of my time writing. So when I speak it, I understand things can get lost in context. And I love a play on words. And as I said it, I heard common indifference, two words. And I think both are worth discussing here. And I'd like to take a moment to reflect on where this concept began. And for me, it was an examining the experience I had with two of my mentors, two of the teachers that guided me significantly and still do as I learn and uncover and discover in osteopathy. And the first I honored in my original podcast, Dr. Richard Huff, and the second is his classmate from Kirksville, who I met many thousands of miles away, but in the very same place of health, Dr. James Jealous. Dr. Huff and Dr. Jealous were classmates, graduating in 1970 from osteopathic medical school in Kirksville, the original college. And so they were raised in the same way in medicine. They shared the same teachers, the same classes, the same learning, the same love of anatomy and osteopathic principles. And my first direct exposure was to Dr. Huff. He was one of my early trainers during my clinical days in medical school in Muskegon. And I was invited in to the clinic and to observe him treating patients and hear about his approach. And it was presented as a very direct technique, known as long lever and soon to be published by one of our graduates in a collection of techniques and philosophy. And having come through a very direct school, largely on the biomechanical model and utilizing muscle energy techniques, meaning the patient kind of pushes against you, by never fully aligning with that. It didn't speak my language. And then coming to the long lever technique, it seemed a more accessible way to treat directly, meaning taking a place that's not moving well, a place that's restricted in the body, and taking it to its barrier. For example, if a vertebra was rotated left, you'd rotate it right. But in a way that I could relate to. You know, the mechanics made sense. The mechanical advantage of using the lever was helpful. And even at that surface level, it was relatable for me. But the more time you spent with Dr. Huff, the more you understood really that that was his access point. And he was truly on layers so much deeper than that vertebral rotation. And appropriately, he would reveal this to you gradually based on your level of knowledge, based on your willingness to understand, based on your level of investment, so that you could truly handle the information he was providing to you. And ultimately, I could see that he was treating to the health of the patient, that he was honoring that capacity for self-healing and the integration of the mind, body, and spirit, and certainly the relationship of structure and function. And we had spoken of Dr. Jealous 
in his practice in biodynamic philosophy application of osteopathy. And I had the opportunity to study with him beginning in, I think, perhaps 2011. I had been exposed to his principles through fellow students who had attended courses through one of my teachers who had been in his postgraduate teachings, but myself finally was able to tap into pediatric osteopathy, which is an area of interest of mine. And I presented to a retreat center out in Oregon and met one of my most beloved osteopathic kindreds uh, from Australia, now living in Canada, there, and we studied and learned together. And while the approach was night and day different from Long Lever, you know, it was very indirect. It was very much waiting and listening. But as I heard Dr. Jealous speak, Dr. Huff's words kept coming up. And there were so many parallels, so many likenesses. You almost couldn't wait to get back home and to go into clinic on the Monday after the course and say, you're doing the same thing. And you know, it blew my mind and also was a huge turning point for me in understanding the art and the nuance and the opportunity for individualization both for the physician and for the patient in osteopathy. And, you know, Dr. Huff kind of had a smile on his face and it's kind of one of those we've realized it moments that at its core, you know, osteopathy involves treating to the health and honoring the principles that we've been discussing these last few episodes. But there's still the humanity of it and the personalization of it. And each osteopathic physician is going to come to it in his or her own way. Because we come to it through the lens of our own understanding and life experience and cognitive and physical and clinical skills. You know, some of us need to approach things more directly. It speaks to us. It speaks to the needs of the patient to feel like, quote-unquote, something is being done. But ultimately... If we're doing it well and staying true to the principles, we can get there perhaps any way we need to or that the patient needs to, but we're ultimately treating to the health, and that is how we are common in our differences. What I hope is that we don't share a common indifference. We can often discredit one another because that approach looks very different. And it's not our love language. It's not our lens of expertise. And we think, well, it can't be right because that's not how I do it. And that's so not true. And it's exactly what's been getting in our way all this time is that we need to listen for those core principles and see how they're manifesting for us and for our patients, what's interrupting their manifestation and see how we can best be the servant in bringing the health for the patient and listening for the health within the patient, seeing what the health is doing, where it is, how it's manifesting, and trust that we've been given the skills through our life experience and ongoing learning to serve in the way that works best for us and for the patient. And it doesn't have to look like what our colleagues are doing. 
I think that's the opportunity here for osteopathy to be implemented in a more robust and diverse and broad way to recognize that if we're speaking the truth of these principles clearly and consistently in an accessible way, there's grand opportunity for all of our colleagues, professionally, MD or DO, personally, in their own lives, to implement them, implement them through their own means of creativity. And it's lifelong learning. And it's storytelling. And we write it down, we fix it. And we'll get into that a little bit more in the next episode. We're willing to keep it as a discussion, as an ongoing dialogue, and understand that there's room for interpretation as long as we are truly grounded in these foundational concepts. The reach can be so great, and the opportunity for the impact on the health of our culture could be so great. And it already is. You know, that health is already there. And it's manifesting. And a lot of times, we're potentially interrupting it. And so I hope we can take inspiration from these colleagues, these classmates, Dr. Huff and Dr. Jealous, and see that when we're truly rooted in the core concepts of osteopathy, we're free to be true to ourselves in the methods in which we implement osteopathic medicine and still be true to the concepts. And one of my favorite commonalities between these two is that they truly had a love for learning. You know, they were students as much as they were teachers. And even there, they taught in their own way. Dr. Huff, in a residency setting, teaching students and residents through the one-on-one apprenticeship model. Dr. Jealous, through the collective and group learning with osteopaths from all over the world coming together and taking his teachings. And in their practice, they brought such joy. You know, they truly appreciated the honor that was given to them to practice osteopathic medicine and had a skip in their step. You know, 50 plus years later of practice, they were still overjoyed for the opportunity to be with the patient and engage with the health and to learn. And I hope we'll carry that forward. You know, it could look very different on the surface, but those core philosophies were certainly at play. And let us find our commonalities and difference. You know, the possibility through the uniqueness of our own application held together in the unity of those principles. And let us shed the possibility for common indifference to think that these concepts are so simple that they're not even worth exploring or that they're so unique that they have to be held by a tiny cohort. Let's be sure that we're clear on our mission, our vision, our purpose, and the truth in osteopathy, that we're speaking it clear enough that it can be understood by all and that there's opportunity 
for it to be implemented appropriately for the best health of all things. With this osteopathic life, this is Dr. Amelia Beakey. Thank you for listening.